Man, I am excited about this new series that we're starting this morning called Who Told You That? In fact, everybody look at your neighbor and just tell them, who told you that? Look at your other neighbor. You got to give them some attitude when you're like, God, who told you that? How many of you, let's start with a little question this morning. How many of you have ever believed something that later you found out just wasn't true? Come on, raise your hand and you go, man, who in the world told me that? Why did I believe that? And some of those we saw on the screen there, it's kind of funny sometimes some of the things that we believe may be something that maybe your parents told you when you grew up. Like if you cross your eyes like that, someone might bump into you and then your eyes will stay that way forever. Anybody ever heard that before? Or like, you know, if you chew gum and then you swallow it, it'll stay in your stomach for seven years, right? How many ever heard something like that before? Some of you are like, really? That's not true? I thought that was true. And it's like, sometimes you just want to go, who told you that? Where in the world did you get that? Because sometimes we believe these things that just really aren't true. In fact, how many of this morning, how many of you like Jimmy Fallon? Anybody like Jimmy Fallon? Come on, any Jimmy Fallon fans in the house today? Jimmy Fallon does a little deal on his show that's called Hashtags. And what he does is he'll create a hashtag, put it on Twitter, and then ask people to send in the things that go along with the hashtags. And he did one that kind of went along with this that I thought I would share with you. I've shared it with you before, but I, I really like it. The hashtag was, I used to think, all right? And here's what some of the people said. One guy said, I used to think that an Adam's apple was just a piece of apple that got stuck in a guy's throat. <laughs> another, another guy says, I used to think that Ellen DeGeneres was actually called Ellen the Generous just because she was so generous. <laughs> One guy said, I used to think that Parmesan cheese was actually Farmer John cheese. And I love this one. This is the best one as we start to head into the holiday season. This guy says, I I used to think that the asterisk on the phone dialing pad was a snowflake that my parents would use to call Santa and tell him when I had been naughty. (laughs) Now, that stuff's kind of, that stuff's funny, right? Just look at your neighbor. That's funny right there. That's funny. That stuff is funny, right? But here's, here's the deal, is that it's really not funny sometimes when we believe things that we think are true that are really not true. And the reason is kind of our key thought for this message today and really for the rest of this series. It's going to be on the screen there and you can write it down in your notes. The key thought is simply this. Even if something isn't true, it can still affect us if we believe it. Even if something is not true, if we really believe it, it can still kind of affect the things that we do and the way that we live. And I've seen this so many times as a pastor. I've seen this with Christians and with the churchgoers that so many times we kind of believe some things that maybe somebody told us or maybe we thought or maybe we kind of misinterpreted from the scripture and we kind of believe it and we think that it's true even though it's not really true. And yet, even though it's not true because we believe it, it's It still kind of affects the way that we live. And sometimes as a pastor, I just want to look at people and go, who told you that? Like, where did you learn that? Where did you get that? So in this series, what we're going to do over this next three weeks is we're going to take three of the big ones, I think, that many times that we kind of have a misunderstanding of God and a misunderstanding of a few things. We're going to talk about these three things. And what we're going to do is we're going to dive in and we're going to just kind of, we're just going to kind of reveal the truth. And it's going to be kind of like the matrix. Once you know the truth, you just can't go back. So how many of you are ready to take the red pill today and know the truth, right? 
And here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the very first one here this morning. And the first one is this. It's, I'm telling you, it's a big one. And you're going to go, really? Is that not true whenever I tell you? But then I'm going to explain to you why it's not completely true. And the first one is this, that God wants you to be happy. How many have ever heard this before? Come on, raise your hand. God wants me to be happy, right? This is like a really big one, especially in American culture today, is this idea that God's ultimate purpose and plan for my life, that above all else and before anything else, here's what God wants for me, is he wants me to be happy, and he would never want me to be sad, and he would never want anything really bad to happen in my life, and he would always want only good things to happen in my life. My life and above all else God's ultimate purpose and plan for my life is my comfort and my pleasure and my happiness because God just wants me to be happy it's what we might call the happiness theology in fact we could even take scripture and and kind of seem like we are proving this whole idea in fact i mean we can look at the scripture in psalms 97 and verse number 12 and look what it says it says may all who are godly be happy I mean, that makes me just want to, like, sing a song and dance, like, you know, I'm so happy, clap along if you feel, right? And here's, here's the way a lot of people think. We think that, hey, God's ultimate purpose and ultimate plan for my life is that I would have pleasure and comfort and always be happy. There's only one problem with that. It's not true. At least not completely true. And I'll explain why later. And here's the problem. The whole theme of this whole message and this whole series is this. If we believe things that aren't true, they can still affect our lives because we believe them. And when we believe this idea that God's ultimate plan, that all he wants for your life is for you to have pleasure and comfort and happiness, it can actually lead us down a very dangerous path to begin to believe some other things that aren't very true as well. In fact, if you're taking notes, I just want to just mention three things that really can cause us some problems when we really start to believe this idea that God only wants us happy. If you're taking notes, right? this down when we believe that God's ultimate purpose and plan that all he really wants for us is our comfort and our pleasure and our happiness here's what happens number one then we start to think that whatever makes me happy must be right and whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong When I start to think that the only thing that God wants for me is for me to be happy, to have his pleasure, to have pleasure and comfort and happiness, and that's his ultimate plan and goal for my life, then here's what this leads me to start believing. It leads me to start believing that if something makes me happy, then it must be right. And if something doesn't make me happy, then it must be wrong because God only wants me to be happy. In fact, it's kind of the theme of our American kind of Christianity today. In fact, Sheryl Crow kind of sings the, the song that's the theme song of this, of this whole happiness theology. And the words of the song go something like this. If it makes you happy, then it can't be that bad. And here's, here's what we believe. We believe, well, if it makes me happy, then it's got to be good. 
And if it doesn't make me happy, then it can't be any good for me. And and here's the problem is when we live this way and when we believe this, we will spend our entire lives trying to do the things that make us happy and trying to avoid the things that don't make us happy. And that's the fastest way I know to ruin your life. Because the truth is here this morning that there are some things that are really good for me that don't make me very happy. I mean, come on, I know you're a little quiet this morning. You shouldn't be quiet. You had an extra hour of sleep today. But here's the truth. There are some things that, like, they're really good for me, but they don't make me very happy. Like eating vegetables, right? Like, that's really, I've heard that's really good for me. But I know that that doesn't make me feel very happy. Or like getting up at 5.30 in the morning and exercising. I know that that's supposed to be really, really good for me. I haven't experienced it that many times because I know that that doesn't make me very happy. Staying out of debt and not buying stuff that I don't really need. That's really good for me. But that doesn't always make me happy. Getting up and going to work when I don't feel like getting up and going to work. That's a good thing for me. But that doesn't necessarily necessarily make me happy. And so here's the deal. There are things that are good for us that don't necessarily make us happy. And here's the other deal. There are things that don't make us happy that are good for us. There are things that maybe we don't really want to do that might be good for us. Maybe telling the truth when it's hard. Maybe doing the right thing in a tough situation. And here's the deal. If we believe that God only wants us happy, that's, it, that's his ultimate plan for our lives, then we can mistakenly begin to believe that if something makes us happy, it's good. And if something doesn't make us happy, it's bad. Or if something makes us happy, it must be right. Or if something doesn't make us happy, it must be wrong. And this is really, really bad theology that will mess up your life real quick. Number two, write this down. If we start to believe this idea that God only wants us happy, that that's that's the the thing he wants above and beyond anything else for our life, then number two, check this out. We'll start to believe that problems must not be God's will. When we, when we buy into this theology that says God only wants me to be happy, that's what he wants above and beyond anything else for me, then when we face problems or when we face discomfort or when we face delay or risk or suffering or inconveniences or obstacles or struggles, then we start to think, man, I must not be in God's will. If something's not going right in my life, then surely God can't be working in my life. Or if there's a season of struggle or even a time of suffering, in my life, then either I'm doing something wrong or God's doing something wrong because everybody knows that God just wants me to be happy. But the truth is, when I look through the scripture, I see over and over and over and over again people who loved God and God loved them, people who were doing God's will for their lives, and yet they still experience problems and pain and suffering and struggles and obstacles and difficulties in their life. I mean, I think about the story in the, in the book of Matthew, chapter 14 and verse 22, and I think about that story where Jesus tells the disciples, he says, hey guys, get in this boat and I want you to go 
over to the other side of the boat. And then they get in the boat and they start getting out into the water. And what happens when they get about halfway out into the water? The Bible says a great storm arose and it began to shake the boat and water began to come in and they began to think, man, we're going to die and we're going to drown. And I think about that story that Jesus was the one that told them to get in the boat and go to the other side. And think about this. He's Jesus. How many would say he knew that there was going to be a storm when they got in the boat and yet he was the one that told them to get in the boat and go to the other side. I would say if Jesus told me to get in the boat that if I got in the boat then I'm probably in God's will. They got in the boat. They did what Jesus said. And instead, instead of experience comfort and pleasure and happiness and all this stuff, they did what Jesus said. And what did they experience? A storm, a struggle, a problem. You see, in this moment, Jesus wasn't as interested in their happiness as he was in their destination. He, didn't, he wasn't worried about were they comfortable or happy. He was worried about whether they went to the other side like he said for them to do. I think about this story of, of Paul in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 21. Look what, look what he says here. He says, and now compelled by the Spirit. Everybody say compelled by the Spirit. How many would say if you are compelled by the Spirit to do something, if you do it, you would be in God's will, right? And now Paul says, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. The Spirit is leading me. God's will is for me to go to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me when I get there, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that there will be prison and hardships that will be facing me. See, if God only wants us happy, then sometimes we can look at life and go, man, if I'm going through a struggle, if I'm going through a hardship, if I'm facing a storm, then I must not be in God's will or God must not be working in my life or I'm doing something wrong or God's doing something wrong or whatever. But right here we see that God told the Holy Spirit led Paul to go to Jerusalem. And when he went to Jerusalem, what did he face? Prison and hardship and struggles. You see, so many times we falsely believe this idea that God only wants me happy, that above and beyond everything else, he only wants me happy. And that's an incomplete idea, an incomplete statement that will lead us to believe so many other things that are incomplete and that are wrong as well. That if something's good, then it'll make me happy. And if it doesn't make me happy, then it's not, it's not right or it's not good. Or that if I'm facing struggles or problems, then I must not be in God's will. Number three, write this one down. Here's what we will believe if we believe that God only wants us to be happy. Look at this one. We will will unknowingly begin to worship the false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. See, here's the problem. When we believe that above all else, God wants us happy, here's what we do. We start to, not knowingly, probably wouldn't admit it, but here's what we start to really kind of believe, is we start to really kind of believe that, that maybe God exists to serve me. That God's there to make me happy. That God's there to make me comfortable. That God's there to give me pleasure. That God's there to give me good things. That God's there to make sure that my life goes smooth and that there's no problems. And that I experience pleasure and I experience blessings and I experience, and I experience better things. And unknowingly, here's what we start to get. This idea that God exists to serve us. Here's the truth today. In fact, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. God does not exist to serve you. God does not exist to serve me. Guess what? We exist to serve God. 
And when we get this idea that, that God's ultimate plan and purpose for my life is to make me feel happy or comfortable or pleasure or all these good things that we think that this is the only thing that God wants for me, then we, then we almost reduce God down to kind of this, kind of this cosmic candy machine. And it's like we do our part, like we put our money in, we twist the knob, we push the button, and then all of a sudden God's supposed to do his part and the cosmic blessing of candy is supposed to just flow out to our lives, right? And we got like this little formula like, you know, you know I'm going to go to church and I'm going to give in the offering and I'm going to take care of the kids in the nursery and I'm going to try to do good things. I'm going to try not to do bad things and I'm going to help the little old lady across the street and I'm going to say amen to the sermon. And so I've done my part. I put my little money in and twisted the knob. So now the cosmic candy cane up in the candy cane, candy machine up in the sky. Now he has to do his part and he has to make my life perfect and make all the girls want to go out with me and give me that dream job and that dream house and that dream husband and all of those things that I want because I went to church and I did my part and I gave in the offering and I did all of that stuff and so now God has to give me what I want. And the tragedy of that is that many, many people actually even turn away from God when it doesn't work out that way. And we think, well, I tried church. I tried that whole God thing and it didn't work. Like I went to church and I wasn't any happier. I gave, I did that tithe challenge thing and I didn't get all these blessings that you're talking about. And man, you know, I prayed and God still didn't heal my uncle that got cancer and and he still died. Or I'm praying for my kids and I take them to church every Sunday, but they're still rebelling and my life is not easy and perfect and everything the way that I would like for it to be. And I tried that God thing and that just didn't work for me. And when we believe this idea that God's only plan for your life is for you to be happy. Then when times come and you're not happy, we start to think that God failed. But God didn't fail. We just believed something that was only partially true. You say partially true. What does that mean? Well, here's, here's what I want you to understand today. Before you leave, please don't go and say, Pastor said God doesn't want me to be happy. No, no, no. Some of you are going to tweet that, and then I'm going to be in trouble, and I'm going to get emails and all that. That is not what I said. Here's what I'm saying here this morning is that God's ultimate purpose and plan for you is not for you to be happy. But here's what I will tell you, that God delights in your happiness. He, he loves to watch his children. He is a father who wants you to be happy. He, he loves to delight in you. It's like, it's like as a dad, man, I'm telling you what, I love my kids so much. Man, I have the two coolest little girls in the world. I'm telling you, I know some of y'all got little girls and they're cool, but mine are cooler. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, they're awesome. I got a little boy on the way, man. Yes, come on, I can't... Can't wait. That's going to be awesome. We even have some matching socks. He's got some socks just like this that he's going to wear whenever he gets here. And come on. And I love my kids, man. And I, you know what? I love more than anything. I love, I love to see my kids be happy. Like, I love to make them happy. I delight in their happiness. I love it when they're just like, I remember when they were little, I'd just watch them when they would play, and i just like to look at them and just watch them play, and i just delight in that. Now that they're getting a little older, they're, they're into music, and they really like music, and we have this room in the house that has a piano in it, and so sometimes they'll just go in there, and they'll just play the piano, and they're just singing, and it's so awesome. Like, I'll turn the TV down sometimes so I can
and just listen to them in there and they're sitting on the piano bench next to each other and playing and they'd be like, hey, let me show you how this goes. Let me. And man, I love to hear them sing. I love to hear them play. And I just, I delight in their happiness. Sometimes I'll even go around the corner and just watch them or get my phone and video them a little bit when they're playing in there because I, I delight in their happiness. But even when they're happy and they're doing good, sometimes they still fight. Like, I mean, they're pastor's kids, you know, so you're, those pastor's kids, they cause trouble sometimes. <laughs> and, and just imagine, all right, just imagine, they're in there, and they're singing, and they're playing, and I'm listening, and I'm delighting in how happy they are, and I'm just so happy that they're happy, and everybody's happy, and all that. But then maybe somebody hits a wrong note, or somebody says, this is not how we do it, and somebody gets upset, and I'm happy with them, and I'm looking in on them, and I'm so delighted, and them, and then all of a sudden, I hear them start to argue just a little bit, and then Addie just steps up and just punches her sister right in the nose, you know? How many know, all right, that didn't really happen. I'm just saying it's a, it's a hypothetical, okay? But how many know, in that moment, their happiness is not going to be my number one priority, Even though I love them and I delight in their happiness and I want them to be happy. You know what I want more for them than them to be happy? You know what I want? I want them to be mature. I want their character to develop and grow so that they can be mature adults that can actually serve God in this generation and in their lives. And so in that moment, even though I love them and I delight in their happiness, my number one goal for their life is not for them to be happy. My number one goal for their life is for them to have the character of Christ Jesus. And so as a dad, in that moment, even though it may not make them happy to discipline, even though it may not make them happy to say, you go to your room and you go to your room, you don't do that anymore. Even though it may not make them happy, it's what's best for them because my priority, my number one goal for their life is not for them to be happy. My number one goal for them is for them to have the character of Jesus Christ. That's what I want for them as their dad. And let me tell you something, in the same way God loves us and he delights more than anything in our happiness, he loves to look down at our children, at his, at his children who are us, and see that we are happy. And he wants that so much for our life, but that is not his number one priority for our lives. His number one priority for our lives is that we would be a people of character. In fact, I've told you this a million times, but I love the way Rick Warren says it. He says this. He says, God is more concerned with our character than with our comfort. He's more concerned with who we are than how we feel. And here's the problem for so many of us. We think that God's number one concern is our comfort, that God's number one concern is our pleasure, that God's number one concern is our happiness. And when we falsely believe that, we begin to believe other lies that lead us down a very dangerous path. But when we realize that, hey, God, yes, delights in our happiness, but more than that, he wants to make us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Then when problems and struggles and troubles come, then when things come that we didn't expect, then when we don't get what we want and life maybe isn't happy for a season and we go through a season of struggle or trial, we can still know that he is a good God and he still loves us and he is still working all things together for our good. Man, I'm preaching good today. I'm telling you that extra hour of sleep. I'm just telling you. So let's look at this for a minute as we wrap up this message today. I want to talk about when does God not want us to be happy? 
And I want you to see two times that I don't believe that God wants us to be happy. The first one is this, that God doesn't want us to be happy when it causes us to do something wrong or unwise. God doesn't want us to be happy when it causes us to do something stupid or sinful or wrong or unwise. When it causes us to do something that goes against His Word. In fact, look what the Scripture says in 1 Peter 1 and verse 15. It says, But just as He who called you is holy. Everybody say holy. Just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. Now, here's the problem. I think a lot of Christians, here's what we do. We kind of misinterpret or misquote this scripture almost to the point where we kind of make it sound more like this. and put that up on the screen. Just as he who called you is happy, so be happy in all that you do. And here's the thing. That's not what God has called us to be. It doesn't say God called you to be happy. What does it say he called you to be? Holy called you to be holy just as he is holy his number one goal for your life is for you to be like christ for you to be perfected into the image of jesus christ that just as he is holy that you would be holy but when we get this idea that god only wants me to be happy then here's what we do then then we will take and do things that would cause us to be unholy we will make unwise decisions or we will make stupid or sinful decisions all in the name of somehow having happiness. I mean, just think about this for just a minute. I mean, as, as followers of Christ, we know what the scripture says about divorce, right? God hates divorce. And yet you just ask people that have gone through divorce. And if you've gone through divorce, I'm not coming down on you, but I'm just, I'm just making this as an illustration. You ask someone who's gone through a divorce many times, why'd you go through that divorce? And many times, here's what you'll, you'll hear them say. Well, I wasn't happy and she wasn't happy. And so because we weren't happy, we just got divorced. You ever heard that before? And here's what we've done. We've done something that was against what the Word of God says, all because of our happiness, right? I mean, all right, let's, let's take it something that's not quite so kind of tough pill to swallow. I mean, just think about this for a second this morning. I mean, I'll tell you what would make me happy right now. You want to know what would make me happy right now? What would make me happy right now is a 2016 Mustang. Come on. A 2016 Mustang Cobra GT. You know what I'm talking about? The one with the spoiler and the sunroof. I mean, you can make it convertible if you want, and it could be like the 18-inch rims. I mean, the chrome rims. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, the the Bose stereo system. I'm telling you, if I had one of those right now, I would be happy. I'm not kidding until I got the $700 a month car payment, right? And if all I really want is to be happy, then here's what I'll do, man. I'll go down to the, to the Ford dealership and I'll buy me a brand new 2016 Ford Mustang, Mustang convertible Cobra GT and I will be happy. And yet that's not the wise thing for me to do because I'm telling you, I can't afford a $700 a month car payment and that's going to bring all kinds of stress on my life and on my marriage and on my finances and on every other area of my life. But if I think that really what it's all about is for me to be happy, then I'll go out and do stuff that's unwise and that wouldn't be good for me because I'm trying to be happy. We know what the Word of God says about, about sexual relationships. And yet even many Christians say, well, yeah, but you know, God wants me to be happy, right? 
and we love each other, and we're committed to one another. We haven't gotten married, but we're committed to one another. And it makes me happy, and it makes me feel good. And I'm a man, and man have, men have their needs. And we're, we're married in our mind, and, all, and we can rationalize all of this stuff that goes against what the Word of God says, all because we think that it's really all about being happy. Oh, you know, I mean, you know, a bowl of ice cream, that's what makes me happy. And not just, like, not just like a bowl of ice cream, but like a big bowl of ice cream. Like every single night before I go to bed. And you know what? We hadn't had Bluebell in like six months, right? And it's coming to the store right now. And so that would make me happy. And you know what never makes me happy? Exercise never makes me happy. I mean, it doesn't make anybody happy, right? And so, man, I, I want to eat a bowl of ice cream every single night. And I'm never going to ever exercise because it's really all about me being happy. Come on. What about our entertainment? Well, you know, Pastor, I mean, everybody else is watching it, and I want to know what they're watching when I go to the water cooler at work the next day. And I know that most of the stuff they do and say on there goes completely against the values that I stand for in the Word of God. But, you know, it's funny. You know, it's funny, and it just makes me laugh, and it makes me happy. And i got news for you. Just because something is funny doesn't make it right. And here's the deal, that yes, God loves you, and yes, God delights in your happiness, but he would never want us to be happy if it causes us to do something that is unholy or unwise or goes against what his word has spoken for our lives. I know this is a tough message, but it's good, it's right, it's true. Number two, write this one down. God doesn't want us happy when it's only based on things of this world. It's amazing if you look at advertising today and you just see all the things that you just have to have in order to be happy. Like in order, according to commercials on TV, in order to be happy, you've got to have, I mean, you can never be happy unless you have that new iPhone 17 that's as big as that screen right up there behind me. Like there's no way you would ever be happy unless you have that. There's no way that anybody could ever be happy in this world without granite countertops or without the vacation on the beach or without the Snuggie that you can get on the late night TV. I mean, you can't be happy without all this stuff. And we have kind of this formula that we kind of go by in America today that goes kind of like this. Better possessions plus peaceful circumstances plus thrilling experiences equals happiness. And if you have all of these things, if you have better possessions, like if you have an iPhone oh, iPhone 5, you can't be happy until you have an iPhone 6. And then if everything's going good in your life and you're not having any problems or any struggles and everything's fine, you have peaceful circumstances. And then if you're out on the vacation of a lifetime having the thrill, of your life and filling your life with pleasure if you have better possessions and peaceful circumstances and thrilling experiences then you can be happy there's a problem with that the problem is this that all of these things better possessions peaceful circumstances thrilling experiences all of these things are based upon happenings see the world tells you that in order to be happy then all of your happenings have to be Right, but here's the problem with that is that happenings change. Possessions 
They fall apart. They go out of style. They wear out. Circumstances. You have good circumstances and you have bad circumstances. Experiences. Thrilling experiences in life. Hey, you can be on a high sometimes, but nobody can be on that high forever. And here's the problem is we base our happiness on our happenings. And so when we do that, we're happy for a while. We're happy when things are good. We're happy when we got the new phone. We're happy when we're on the vacation. We're happy when everything's going good in our life. But then when things aren't going good in our life or the new iPhone comes out, or we're going home from vacation and back to work, then suddenly we're not happy anymore because we've based our our happiness on our happenings. And this is what God says. I don't want you to base your happiness on the things that are happening in your life. Instead, I want you to base your happiness on your relationship with me. In fact, this is what what, uh, John says in 1 John 2 in verse 15. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. For if anyone loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but where? From the world. For the world and its desires, they what? They pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Here's what John is saying. Hey, don't base your happiness on the things of this world the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh the pride of life all the stuff that you can get your possessions and your good circumstances and your vacations and all that stuff because that stuff can pass away but if you do the will of God if you base your joy and your happiness in him and in who he is that even when circumstances that are bad come even when your stuff breaks down even when you're not on vacation and you're having that tough and rough week you can still have a joy that comes from knowing him so here's the deal here this morning if God doesn't want me happy then what does he want man it's gonna blow your mind you ready for this God doesn't want you happy here's what he wants he wants you more than happy everybody say more than happy God wants you more than happy. And there's a Bible word for that. And let me warn you before I tell you what that Bible word is, that it doesn't mean what you think it means. In fact, this word that I'm going to tell you has been used and misused and abused so many times. I've done it. Even this morning, I've done it. I noticed I was doing it when I was doing the offering this morning. And we have this false idea what this word really means. But here's what the, here's what the word for more than happy really is. You ready for this? The word is blessed. And here's what we think. So many times we hear that word blessed. We think that blessed means I'm going to have a bigger house, a nicer car, or I'm going to have less problems, or I'm going to have a better job, or I'm going to have these things of this world that we think are what's going to make us happy. And that's what we equate with blessings. But that's not what the word blessed means. The word blessed basically means more than happy. You can study the, the, actual, the actual Greek and you can study the translations and it means more than happy. And you know what that means? That really means that even when I don't have all the stuff that I want and even when the circumstances aren't going all the way that I would really like for them or want for them to go, I, I can have not just happiness, I can be blessed. I can have actually more than happiness. I can have blessings even when I'm going through sufferings. I can have blessings even when I'm facing struggles. I can have blessings even when I'm going through difficult times. You see, blessings are not based upon the perfect pain-free life. In fact, God never promised us that. In fact, he actually promised us in John 16 and 33 that in this world we would have what? We would have trust. 
trouble, but we can take heart. Why? Because he has already overcome the world. So here's what God says. God says, you can be blessed even though there's going to be trouble. Why? Because he's already overcome the trouble. He's already with you. And he can give you supernatural peace in the middle of the struggle. And maybe the blessing is that he has given you a community, a family of believers that love you to surround you during the painful times of your life. Maybe the blessing is that he can strengthen you and make his strength perfect in your time of weakness. Maybe the blessing is that he can use your trial and struggle just as James says to make you mature and complete, not lacking anything. Maybe the blessing is that even when you go into the fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that he actually goes into the fire with you. The blessing is not that you never have any trouble. The blessing is that he is with you in the midst of the trouble and he has already overcome the trouble. God doesn't want you just to be happy. That's an incomplete statement. God wants you to be more than happy. God wants you to be blessed that even when you would face struggles and trials and difficulties in your life, that he would walk through those things with you. And here is what we begin to understand when we truly, when we truly get this idea of being more than happy. Here's what we understand. That as long as we're here on this planet... We're never going to really be truly and completely happy and fulfilled because we don't belong on this planet. It's like this story that Max Locato gives, and it's so powerful. He tells a story that says basically that a fish was taken out of water. The fish was placed upon the sand. And the fish on the sand, is that fish happy? No, because the fish doesn't belong on the sand. The fish belongs in the water. But what if you give the fish a million dollars? Would the fish be happy? No, because the fish doesn't belong on the sand. The fish belongs in the water. What if, what if, you, what if you give the fish a, a beach chair and you give him his favorite drink and he can sit back there and prop his fins up on the chair? Would the fish be happy? No, because the fish doesn't belong on the sand, doesn't belong in a beach chair, doesn't belong with a drink in his fan, it belongs in the water. And no matter what you do while that fish is on that beach, that fish is never going to be happy because completely because that's not where the fish belongs. And here's the whole point of that whole deal. Let me tell you something, guys. If all you are concerned with is happiness in this world, you're going to be disappointed and let down every single time. Because you don't belong in this world. You are a stranger, an alien to this world. As a follower of Christ, this world is not our home. And so, in this world, there will be moments of happiness. Praise God for that, man. When I see my kids, or when what, all those things, those are moments of happiness. But even in those, they are not completely fulfilling. Because there's no way that I can ever be completely fulfilled on this planet. Because I wasn't made for this planet. There's a God-shaped hole inside of me and inside of you that if you're looking for true happiness in this world let me just tell you I don't want to burst your bubble but you're not going to find it in anything in this world the only way that you're going to find it is through relationship with Jesus Christ and here's what God wants he doesn't want us to pursue happiness you know what he wants he wants us to pursue him in fact look at this passage this this scripture that we led out with the first scripture we read this morning Psalm 97, verse 12. May all who are godly be happy. That's where we stopped. 
We stopped there kind of on purpose, but if you look at the next three words, you understand really what that scripture is all about. May all who are godly be happy, what? In the Lord. Here's where most Christians kind of stop. May all who are godly be happy. If I'm godly, then I'll be happy and there will never be any problems or any struggles or any trials. And if it doesn't make me happy, then it's not right. And if it makes me happy, then it must be right, even if it goes against what's wise or what the Word of God says. Because we stop at that point that says, may all who are godly be happy. But that's not what that scripture means. May all who are godly be happy, what? In the Lord. That's the only way you're going to find true contentment, true happiness, true fulfillment in your life. God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be more than happy. He delights in your happiness, but more than that, He cares about your character, about making you into the man or the woman that He has created you to be. And ultimately, that means more than our happiness anyway. And one day, this life will be over. See, this life is just a test. And when this life is over, then one day, we will be in heaven where everything will be perfect and there will be no sickness and no pain and no struggle and no any of those things. And then, and only then, can we be fully and completely happy. And until then, even when we experience struggles and trials and difficulties and problems in our lives, here's what we do. We find our joy 